it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of New Horizons. I'm Vaughan Benison. Thanks once again for your company. Last week we talked about audio description on Australian television. That's now commenced and uh, there's been some extremely positive feedback. Today we discuss audio description of another kind. Will McCrosty is from Description Victoria. Will, thanks for joining us on the program. No worries, lovely to be here. Description Victoria, I guess uh, that's sort of what it says on the box? It does do very much what it says on the box, yes. Uh, So it's a professional audio description service just based in Melbourne. Uh, only a couple of years old now. And when uh, when we were first setting it up, you know, there's a lot of, uh, around the world, a lot of organizations that have some pretty cringy puns to do with vocalize and things like that. And I really just thought it would be better to make it do exactly what it says on the tin, yes. <laughs> and how did you get involved in this and what's your background? So my background, uh, I, I mean, I've been in the performing arts since I was seven years old. So I grew up doing theater and, and that was a big part of my childhood. Um, not so much contact with the blind community until I started working for Access to Arts in South Australia in 2013. And uh, they have been running a professional audio description service there since uh, about 2009. They worked with some people who came over from the UK where there is a much uh, much broader audio description practice and a, a professional practice that's been going there for quite a long time to set up a professional service uh, in Australia, which at that time uh, was a pretty rare find. So uh, I was asked to join um, because of reverse affirmative action. They didn't have any male describers and they uh, wanted some gender balance in the voices available. Uh, And they also had a project uh, working on the Adelaide Fringe Parade doing a live described commentary uh, and they didn't have anyone with any radio experience. Uh, So someone knew me tapped me on the shoulder and I dove in feet first. Cut forward to 2015, I've moved to Melbourne uh, and I am thinking about alongside my day job, what it might mean to look at audio description in Victoria uh, and trying to replicate that process that happened in South Australia, setting up a, a professional service organization. Met a guy named Ross Devent who's blind and some of your listeners may know. Um, and we had a chat and decided to start a thing together. We're now a incorporated association, not-for-profit and registered charity, and uh, the majority of our board is people with lived experience of blindness or low vision, working as service providers to a pretty broad range of clients across the arts and cultural sector in Victoria and a little bit beyond. Audio description um, has become a bit of a thing in recent times because of the uh, the recent announcement of audio description now being available on the ABC and the SBS. Perhaps you could give us an idea of what uh, the differences are and what it's like to describe a theatrical performance or, as you mentioned previously, a, a live parade. So, I mean, at the conceptual level, it's it's all about using language to give access to visual material, which sounds relatively simple when you say it, but as soon as you start digging into that, it becomes quite a complicated endeavor. So there is a whole 
branch of study that's uh, looked at through translation practices, that's looked at through uh, audiovisual translation, especially in Europe, alongside dubbing and uh, captioning, where you need to actually build a framework of how to utilize language in an effective way to best serve your audience. Especially in narrative media, the goal of audio description is to maintain this sense of presence. So that's that sense of feeling immersed in something where you kind of forget that you're actually watching a movie or, or reading a book. Um, and there are things that you can do in language that, that break that sense of presence and don't maintain that the spell that the show is casting. So that principle applies in television, broadcast, theater, galleries, etc. In theatres, it's a pretty high-pressure situation, so we will um, watch watch the performance or receive a archival recording, hopefully of decent quality, but, you know, sometimes someone just sets up their GoPro 2 from 2007 and presses record, and that's all you have to go on. Um, we'll also receive a script and uh, as much information about the show as, as we can garner from the producers. We have a few roles associated with each job. There's a lead describer who is the primary person responsible for scripting and, and pulling together all of the materials. Then we have an assisting describer who will attend uh, the rehearsal that we do and also the performance itself to help with um, sighted guiding if necessary, to help with giving out the receivers that are used. Uh, and then we have an editor, so someone with a lived experience of blindness or low vision who will come to our rehearsal and give feedback on that. We will write a script, uh, filling in gaps in the dialogue very precisely with language that gives the most important visual information for that moment to maintain that sense of presence. Uh, we'll practice that. We'll also produce pre-show notes, so detailed descriptions of set characters and costumes, and usually, if we can, plan a tactile tour. And all of that goes into one big experience, usually once in a season, where people will come to the tactile tour, they'll get the pre-show notes in advance, and then we have to deliver the description live. So I guess compared to TV and film, it's a bit of a high-wire uh, experience because you don't get the chance to make uh, any mistakes and do any second takes, so you have to do pretty well uh, on your real go, which I guess is just like actual theatre, so it, it kind of mirrors that construct. Well, we're actually here to talk about a project that uh, you're running with, with a gallery, so perhaps we should talk about audio description in the context of visual art, um, because it's a very different kettle of fish from audio describing a live theatrical performance or any other form of performance, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think the, the the hardest part about working in visual arts context is, for the most part, the work doesn't speak for itself in the same way that uh, a theatre production does. So unless you're talking about a video work or some kind of performance art, usually the work is a silent object hanging on the wall or resting on a plinth in the middle of the space. So it really is up to the describer uh almost entirely to construct that work for the audience and then also contextualize it. So why is this work in a gallery? Why is it important? Um, and who chose it to be here? So it comes back to that principle once again. Firstly, what does it look like? It's just the most important part of the information. I think part of our value as describers is, is that we can work with people like curators and artists who really like talking around their work without ever actually addressing the physical reality of, of its appearance and, and what it looks like. So, so we bring that context. And then we also, all of our work in galleries for Description Victoria, at least, is done in partnership with curators uh, and artists because I've had experiences in the past trying to lead tours 
as a solo describer and I get to the end of my beautiful description and then the audience member says, so what does it mean? And uh, I certainly might have an opinion on that, but I'm definitely not the most qualified person in a gallery context to begin that conversation. So uh, making sure that we construct an experience that's both enjoyable and informative for our audience uh, and also looking very closely at the tactile. So, of course, touch is really important, either whether we can touch the work itself, which is a pretty rare um, privilege, but also looking at um, tactile analogues, objects that can be passed around for the material, for the subjects of the work to give people an enhanced understanding of it. Inevitably, the process of description is one that is subjective. You have to make decisions. You have to prioritize. Um, talking about something, describing something is inherently a bit more linear than looking at it. Um, so I don't think it's true to say that we can excise subjectivity entirely from the process of description, but the way that it's taught, the way that it's learned, always grounding things back into the visual tends to create a product that everyone can read as being tied primarily to the visual and then opening out the discussion to the to the meaning and the history and all those other things that make, as you say, make art really fun. The process of it and the process for everybody of determining your relationship to the work, its relationship to other work that you've seen um, and your own interpretation of it. To me, that's the joy of, of, of visiting a gallery, of seeing a play. It's not about getting it right. It's not about coming away with the correct interpretation. It's about struggling with something and and hating it or loving it, but at least being provoked by it in some way. So tell me about the project that you're running with the National Gallery of Victoria. So we've been working with the NGV National Gallery of Victoria to uh, describe some highlights from their permanent collection. They have a, an extensive collection um, in their buildings, both uh, on St Kilda Road, just near the Art Centre in Melbourne City Centre, and also NGV Australia, which is in Federation Square. Um, one of the largest collections of visual art in the Southern Hemisphere. So uh, we've been talking to them about how we can collaborate to start creating some new experiences for audiences who are blind or have low vision and looking at how audio description can contribute to the accessibility of their the collection. So I've written in partnership with some curators and some artists from the NGV staff. I've written some uh, descriptions of five different works, really diverse works, one fashion work. Uh, the, the NGV has very much been at the forefront of recognizing design and fashion as part of the canon of, of visual art. So a work called Dress by Aris van Herpen, all the way back to an 18th century oil painting uh, by Giampedista Tiepolo, uh, depicting a competition between Cleopatra and Mark Antony uh, from antiqui antiquity. So looking at a really broad range, uh, producing descriptions, also tying that in with some contextual and educational information from the NGV's uh, public programs team and each of the curators has selected a composition or a song to go with each of those works that represents their visceral kind of response to it what is the flavor what is the vibe to them of that work so trying to give a couple of different layers of information from the straight description to the uh, contextual and educational and just a bit of a bit of a fun diversion into the vibe of the things it is currently available on the NGV website. It's ngv.vic.gov.au slash audio hyphen descriptions. 
I would love to get any feedback uh, to pass on uh, for my own practice. You know, this is work that I'm doing and it's always amazing for me to hear directly from users about what they like about the approach, what they don't like, what might be missing. Um, and also for me to pass on to the NGV, if, if people find this to be a valuable service, we can look at producing more both to access online, but also if we've got them recorded, they can be available at the gallery once everything's reopened. Uh, they have audio tour devices. They have a lot of different ways of getting information to people. So the more that we have prepared and in the, um, in the chamber, as it were, the more that is going to be available for people uh, in the building as well once, once the world opens up again. I want to hear from the blind audience in Australia, whether they're located in Melbourne or not. What what would you like from these major visual arts institutions? Is it more things available online for everyone to access around the country? Is it in-person experiences? Um, is it the opportunity to learn about the process of making art and curating? Um, is it just about going and, and seeing the exhibition and maybe having a glass of wine at the end? Always really curious to know what, um, what people are looking for from these institutions. How can people get in touch? Sure, they can email me at uh, will, with two L's, at descriptionvictoria.com.au. Um, that's our website, obviously, as well, descriptionvictoria.com.au, which uh, has some examples of our work, um, some media coverage, and a bit more information uh, about us. So feel free to look us up there. And yeah, please do get in touch if you uh, would like to know more. Will McCrosty there from Description Victoria. Descriptionvictoria.com.au is their web address if you'd like to check them out and if you'd like to get in touch with Will, will at descriptionvictoria.com.au. If you'd like to get in touch with Blind Citizens Australia, the usual telephone number, and I'll remind you again, 1-800-033-660. You can email bca at bca.org.au or you can check out the website at bca.org.au. I'm Vaughan Benison. I'll talk to you again next week. We'll achieve the realisation of a dream Of our dreams